Hey, this is Rabbi Zev Bannett. You're listening to the Daily Halacha Kabbalah and Machshava podcast series where we explore different halachos in the Shulchan Aruch, digging all the way down to their roots and trying to show you how to walk your way from the superficial, practical side of halacha all the way to the deep machshava, kabbalah underpinnings, the foundations of all of halacha, so that way you can understand how this entire system is A, an actual system, and B, all fits together, and is one integrated whole of a set of perspectives, lifestyle perceptions, and then actual practices that express that. If you want more content like this, head over to www.yasodblocks.com where you can subscribe for only $9.99 a month and you can support what we are doing and what we're trying to share and create on Yasodblocks. Uh, you also get access to a ton of other content and all these different series that we've developed and are still developing all the time new uh, new content as well. And also head over to Amazon or iTunes. You can also acquire our recent album that is called Tikkun HaYasod using the Torah integrated perspectives, holistic perspectives that we are articulating on Yasod Blocks to deal with the dark side of the internet. You can also get access to that album by simply subscribing at yesodblocks.com. In this particular episode, we are still in Simon Mem Vav. Uh, Mem Vav, yes, that's correct. Mem Vav, which is section 46 of Orachaim, the regular daily halachos. And we are in the middle of this, these discussions about halachos of brachos, the different brachos that we say every morning uh, and throughout the day, many different brachos that we say. So the area of Hilchos brachos is fairly large. There's a lot of different aspects to it on the halachic practical level. So we're going to kind of fly through a few halachos now. And I want to just sort of show you how to think about uh, these halachos. We've already covered a fair amount of the underlying principles of how to think about brachos. And the core principle has always been that these are phrases that we say that are designed to trigger consciousness uh, expansion or our heightened awareness of Hashem's presence in particular contexts, particular settings, particular situations. And so each bracha has this uh, activation phrase, which is Baruch atah Hashem Elokeinu Melech HaOlam. And that phrase basically means that you're you're basically saying, I'm trying to make more room for you, Hashem, uh, the the overarching power source and and ruler of the world. Ruler here means the one who sees the totality of existence. Melech HaOlam, a Melech is supposed to be somebody who sees the totality of existence and understands how to channel the various disparate parts, all the different aspects of existence towards a particular higher purpose. That's what a Melech of a country does. He basically looks at all the different people and then figures out what is the mission of this country? Where are we trying to go? Where is all this headed? And channeling and directing everyone towards some kind of national unifying vision to bring us into all together into like a a family, a, a national family. And so uh, that's what Hashem is. We're basically trying to to say and therefore activate within ourselves this uh, this awareness and this this um, desire even for Hashem's presence, uh, Hashem who is the source of all reality and is the the source of all the very the plurality, the diversity, the multiplicity of the different uh, aspects uh, and pieces of existence. That's Yud Kivavke Elokim. That's what that means. Yud Kivavke is the transcendent self that is behind all being. Elokim means the way that Hashem manifests and translates that endless self into the disparate, diverse uh, expressions that we call existence. Just like just like you are the one self that is behind your body, and then you translate yourself through all the different diverse actions and aspects of your body and all of its different layers. So Hashem, you know, the name Yud Kivavke Elokim means that same thing. So we're basically saying Baruch Hashem Elokeinu. 
Melech HaOlam, we're saying there, there should be more awareness of Hashem's presence within ourselves as the source of all existence, who is now translated and manifest as the diversity of existence, and who is the one who sees the totality of all things and therefore and then directs all of them to where they belong. So that, that, that power phrase uh, is essentially this, you know, this meta perspective we're supposed to be accessing on a regular basis to sort of look at the world constantly through that perspective to see that all this action that's taking place in the world is a all going somewhere it's all part of something which is the melech haolam piece and that it's also a screen that is uh, essentially um, an expression of that which is hidden behind it underlying it the word haolam means that because olam basically means a layer of hiddenness from the word ne'elam which means to vanish or to be hidden and so an olam basically means a, a layer a covering that hides something underneath it and so hashem is the melech haolam he is the ruler the one that is directing that layer of hiddenness that we call existence, and he is Yudki Vavke Elohim, who is the self behind it, that is manifest as it, and we are saying, you, Hashem, who is all of that, we want there to be more awareness inside of our minds and our, our perceptual landscape of that truth. And so all of that is coming as a response to the Eitzadas dynamic, the, the distortions of the Eitzadas, which basically train us, instead of seeing that big picture all the time and constantly uh, being keyed into that and you know constructing that awareness from every single event that we experience and sort of seeing things in their totality and in their individual uh, instance, but also in how they fit into the larger picture of existence, we tend to just focus on individual instances, which which pull our attention and distort our perceptions. So that we focus on very heavily on what's right in front of us or what's particularly relevant to us, according to our own unique preferences, which is the meaning of the Eitz Adas Tovara, that it gives us the capacity to uh, to see things in a in a in a lens structure, perception structure that is. Uh, defined by that which is most preferen preferentially interesting to us. And so that's what that's what all these brachos are for. And so now let, let's explore some actual halachos here, and then we're going to try to sort of, we're going to tie this in and show how to think about all these halachos. We're going to try to do a few different ones this time, because this is kind of more just um, following up on previous things that we've discussed. So we're up to um, halacha number five, halacha hey, in Simon Memvav, at section 46, and it says, Im kadam uverach, if a person by mistake says the brachos that we say in the morning out of order, and you say first, you say the bracha in which you're using the action of straightening your body. Zokef kefufim means that Hashem straightens those who are bent over. So basically when you stand up and your back works properly and your bones work properly, so you're able to straighten up, so you're supposed to say a bracha tying that uh, experience and that phenomenon of your of your daily routine to the presence of Hashem as the root of all being. And so if you say that first, before you say the bracha that normally comes before it, which is the bracha of matir asurim, which means Hashem frees those who are imprisoned. So if you say first the bracha about becoming freed of some kind of imprisonment, before you say, if you say the bracha rather of getting straightened up, before you say the bracha of getting freed from imprisonment, then you should not then also say the bracha uh, of getting freed from imprisonment. And the reason for that is because the concept of getting freed from imprisonment is supposed to come first because it's more general. There's a general sense when you wake up and you can actually move around, you find your body is still functioning. So in a certain way, you are now being freed from imprisonment because being asleep is a, cer is a certain kind of prison where you are now trapped as your body is dormant and you, you know it's like if you ever had a dream like this where you're trying to move and you can't move and you feel like you're you're stuck because your body when you are asleep essentially is is somewhat paralyzed it's, it's basically dormant and when you're in dream sleep it actually is it's it's much closer to that state you know to literal paralysis in a certain way and so when we wake up and we find that our body is still functional we can move around so we have this bracha where we say we essentially are 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 
uh, accessing awareness of Hashem's role in our ability to still activate our own lives and to have autonomy of movement, uh, which is the idea of that's the opposite of prison, that you actually have autonomy of movement. And then after we say that general bracha, that's marking that general experience, we then focus on a specific example, that of straightening up those who are bent, specifically to be able to walk straight and, and to be to therefore be upright, proud, uh, active beings. And so the halacha here is that if you say them in the re- reverse order, you first say the straightening up and then the being freed. So you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to, if you say the straightening up one first, and then according to the Shulchan Aruch here, you're not supposed to then go back and say the bracha about becoming freed from imprisonment because the, the idea here is that the bracha about getting straightened up includes the idea of being freed from imprisonment. And so you kind of got, you kind of got that out of the way uh, when you said it that way. Whereas if you say the, the getting freed from imprisonment one first, that's so general that it can kind of mean all kinds of things. And so we, you know, it doesn't necessarily negate the bracha about standing up straight, and so therefore you would say it in that order. So that's an example of a halacha, practical expression of these brachos, that, that thematically one is very broad and one is more narrow. So we say the broad one first and the narrow one second. If you say the narrow one first, then it's it's so it, 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 it includes the idea of getting freed. And so the Shulchan Aruch here, Paskins, you're not allowed to say them in the reverse order. So just con- to continue for a second, let's just see a few more here. There's also a, a practice to say this bracha, that Hashem gives strength to those who are tired. So we actually do say this bracha, we have this minhag to do that, uh, where we say a special bracha when we, when we wake up, that we're, we're basically becoming aware that Hashem gives us strength. Even though we are tired, we get this flow of strength that comes from Hashem through our bodies. And so we're trying to deepen our awareness of that. And then he, and the Shulchan Aruch then says, He thinks that this is not the kind of bracha really that should be said. And then the Ashkenazi minhag here that's mentioned is Haga Acha Minhag Pashut, but Ne Ashkenazim La There is a minhag for those who are Ashkenaz uh, to actually say this bracha. Ashkenaz means from certain areas. So there are different customs uh, of which types of brachos to say depending on where you are from. And so here we have this very, te- it's a very technical discussion of whether or not this is an appropriate uh, aspect of our experiential morning life that should then be uh, noted in a bracha format or not. And so some people have the practice of doing this, and others don't have the practice of doing that. Uh, and those who are Ashkenazi, we do actually say this. And let's just, let's just say one more. Um, There's also customs to say other brachos in addition to these. But that's actually a mistake. And so basically here the Shulchan Aruch is mentioning how there's other customs of other brachos to say that are similar to these. And he says that they should not be said and only the ones, we basically have this practice today, that the ones that are in our Sidur, uh, the prayer books that we use, those are the ones that we assume uh, all the different halachic authorities have ruled, uh, that those are the ones that we should say. And we're going to discuss that a little more deeply in just one second. Um, Let's just add one more thing here. Uh, all of these brachos, let's say it's a situation where you didn't actually experience the thing that the bracha references. Let's say you didn't actually hear uh, a rooster crow in the morning. The first bracha is the bracha about hearing a rooster crow that it has the ability to differentiate between day and night. So let's say you didn't hear a rooster crow. Let's say you, you, you weren't walking or you didn't get dressed or you didn't put on a belt or any of these things that, the, that we say brachos on. So he says, Omer sabracha below Hashem. The Shulchan Aruch says you should say those brachos without mentioning Hashem's name because we only say Hashem's name when we actually are, are, are certainly obligated. In other words, we certainly experience the thing the bracha is referencing. That's what the Shulchan Aruch here writes. And then the, the uh, Ashkenazi post like the Ramah says, he paskins that no matter what you say them, and we actually do this, we 
we simply say all of the brachos, they're, they're all listed in the Sidur, we say them with Hashem's name, irrespective of whether or not you actually experience these things. No one today hears roosters crowing, but we still say the bracha about that because it is there's a series of concepts here, and the minhag is to assume that we are still obligated in observing an awareness of each of these dynamics, in each of these brachos. That's because the brachos are, are accumulated concepts, and so we start off the day saying an awareness of how animals have the ability to differentiate between things uh, like day and night, and that's actually supposed to access for ourselves as well, our own awareness of that same thing. And so the, the, the idea here I want to take out for this, you know, just in terms of how to take these halachos and tie them in, I was trying to decide if we should read these halachos or sort of skip them, because the last few halachos before this really kind of already answered a lot of the, the is, you know, brought up the issues that we wanted to discuss about brachos in general, birchos hashachar, and so you know, these brachos that we say in the morning. And so I was trying to decide what to do with these halachos. And so here's what I would like to show you when you're learning these things. You see that this section of Shulchan Aruch, Siman Memvav, so there's a bunch of technical halachos that we just learned. And really all them, all these halachos are technical. And here's what can happen to you when you learn halacha. And this is this is really what uh, this particular series is coming to, to combat in a certain way. There's a lot of detail here. Whether this bracha is not okay to say if you have an obligation, there's different opinions, and then there's a whole list in the Mishnah Brewer and other post game of like other brachos that some people said you should say, some people said you shouldn't say. And so what you kind of want to do is, it's, it, what can happen to you is as you're learning these halachos, it can draw your mind into this perspective that, that, that becomes very halacha-oriented in a way that be, actually becomes a little bit distorted. And so let's remember again how this whole series is working and how the Torah views halacha. Halacha is the outside, it's the, it's the, the shell of the, of the huge framework of thought and perceptions and perspectives and inner, inner work that you're supposed to be doing. In other words, if you're just doing what the halacha is, practically, but on the inside you're still a person who doesn't really understand any of these things, or doesn't care about them, or doesn't care about Hashem, or doesn't connect to other people through these things, you're not really becoming what the Torah is trying to have you become. Now, when you live a halachic lifestyle, that's obviously very productive. The halachic lifestyle is a healthy lifestyle. It's, it, it, it is it's about having integrity. It's about acting in a way that is that is, um, you know, balanced and connective and, and truth-oriented, and there's all kinds of, all, all of halacha is inherently a healthy way of living. The only thing about it is that if you don't actually become a healthy person on the inside, so then it becomes kind of duplicitous. You're almost like, you're, do, you're doing things either by rote or sometimes even in a way that's just very shallow, and you'll feel that you're not really being genuine in what you're doing. And so what's supposed to happen here is that the halacha is really just, you know, the 5%, of the of all of our relationships that are practical. Let's say you're in a relationship. Let's say you're married. Let's say you're you're dating somebody very seriously, and you you deeply are connecting to them, and there's so much going on between you. On the inside, you truly want each other. You truly love each other. You truly wish to to spend time with each other, and you're connecting deeper and deeper every day. So let's say that's happening. Well. The, if someone tried to measure your relationship on a practical, external, measurable level, then they would find a list of things that you guys do together. Maybe you go places together. Maybe you buy things for each other. Maybe you, uh, you know, you say certain things to each other. Um, these are all outward expressions of a huge mountain of inner development that you're each going through as you deepen and broaden uh, and expand your relationship on the inside. And that's where the relationship is really happening. I mean, the the the, the connection side of your neshamos, of the selves that you each are, through your perceptions of each other as supremely relevant and supremely central to each of you, and through your emotional expressions of that centrality, so, and all the thoughts that you have about each other, you're constantly thinking about each other, you're constantly 
feeling things or constantly seeing each other as supremely central. So that's the real becoming that is expressed only in the outside practical side of what it is that you're doing in your relationship. And that's also true with halacha, which halacha is the outside practical expression. And what can happen is when you learn halacha in this way, when you kind of are learning through the Shulchan Aruch, and we're going to keep seeing this, there's going to be a lot of halachos that, that, they're, that they're, they're, they're very technical and they're, uh, that's important because you have to have clarity on exactly how to do the expression of your relationship. It is technical. You know, if you're if you're married and, you're, and your spouse wants you to wash the, the dishes in a certain way or to, I don't know, do the laundry in a certain way or do some other task for them in a certain way. So in order to actually really express your love of them, you have to try to understand exactly what it is that they want because if you really love them, you want to do things the way that they want you to do them. And so that has technical aspects. Love has technical aspects in its expression because practical expression is inherently a, a, a technical phenomenon. It's something which you have to know how to do in, in, a, in an accurate and, 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 and loyal to the truth of the relationship type of way. And so that's what we're doing here. But if, the, the problem is that if you don't have the underlying relationship side of things, then that 5% that is the shell, the outer expression of the mountain that is the relationship, can become bigger and bigger and bigger in your mind. And to a certain point, many, many people that I've taught or worked with over, over my lifetime have complained to me, saying that they feel that halacha is so, it just, it almost feels neurotic. It's like there's this, this list of all these things and there's so so many minute details to figure out and to talk about and the answer to that is exactly what I'm saying now it's that no matter the fact that you might talk about these things a lot this is actually just 5% of the picture so you really have to do two things number one you have to always remember that it's only 5% of the picture. No matter how, even if you spend 20, 30, 40% of your time talking about halacha, just like if you spend 20, 30, 40% of your time talking about how to wash dishes, so you're going to run into some problems there because it's not, it's not that the amount of time that you're spending thinking about it is not proportionate to its actual uh, size of significance in the relationship. So you have to remember that it's, that, that, that it's only 5% of what the Torah really is. And the second thing to do is you have to really invest a lot of time on the relationship side. That's what we all are here to do. In other words, we're not here to just do the things that Hashem says. It's certainly a great start, and it'll prevent you from being a destructive person, and it's certainly something which is which is tremendously significant to, to live in a way that is in harmony with Hashem. But you're supposed to become a person who is in a relationship with Hashem. You're supposed to become a Hashem-type person. You're supposed to actually bridge your own self with Hashem's self in terms of your perceptions and actually seeing the truth of who you really are, that you are actually an aspect of Hashem's consciousness in the world. And by living this way and actually learning the truth of it on the inside, you become aware of your own true nature, that you are actually a divine being inside the world that is immortal and irreplaceable and, and intangible. And so that's the key to all balance in, in all human beings in the world. I mean, every, every flaw we have, I mean, think about it like, you know, something like, what exactly is, does it mean to be sexist or to be racist? These are very popular terms today. All that means is that you get fixated on a particular external attribute of another person, like their reproductive organs or like their skin color or something like that. And then you get so fixated on them that it takes up much more proportionate relevance in your perception of them than the actual truth of who they really are, which is an endless intangible self that is beneath, that is within, and that is manifest through the particular unique body. And of course, you know, their re reproductive organs or their skin color has some relevance in their life. Uh, it's, it's it's a piece of the tools that they use, just like all, just like halacha is, is is the practical tools that we use. But if you get too fixated on those things and you blow them up past the five percent proportion that they belong, then you start to lose sight of the truth of existence. And that's exactly what's what why understanding this these ideas, the balance between the thoughts of Torah and the perspectives and perceptions. These, there's no there's no equality here. It's not like there's fifty percent of Torah is you know 
these perspectives and ideas, and then 50% is, uh, is halacha and practice or something like that. It's the, the Talmud Torah is keneged kulam. What that means is that the learning of Torah, the understanding of Torah, the perceptions of Torah, the, the thoughts of Torah, it is, it is what's called equal to everything else. It is opposite everything else. It is the root of everything else. In other words, the inside space of you, the inner space, your thoughts, feelings, perceptions, that is actually the Talmud Torah side of you. It's the area where you're supposed to actually become a Torah thinker and a Torah feeler and a Torah seer, Torah perceiver, and the Torah is the is is ninety five percent of it, of its literature is about how to do that and what that looks like, and the other five percent is what to do, and so that, that's what I would say. Whenever we go through these halachos, that it feels like we're kind of getting into a more technical side of things. So number one, we've already tied in in the previous episodes a lot of the depths. Uh, of these halachos and the principles underlying them. Um, and then in addition to that is to always remember this proportion, that even if we have to spend some time learning a bunch of halachos that seem like they're more technical, to have that proportionate perspective and to constantly remember that this is just the 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 five percent externality, the shell of what Torah is about and who you're supposed to become. So then that will help give context and so you don't get a distorted perspective that's overemphasizing these details in a way that starts to feel unnatural or unbalanced. That's the basic idea here. I hope that you enjoyed that. Thanks so much for tuning in and for listening. Again, check out your soapbox.com, support what we're doing, and subscribe, and looking forward to having you join me for the next episode.